Hey everyone, I am so excited about sharing this message out of Acts 3.19 where Peter preaching to these people coming out of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit has just fallen and he is saying to them in this environment of the falling of the Holy Spirit that it's time for revival. And so in Acts 3.19, he says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So let me, let me talk to you firstly about these, these two things. The fact that he says repent, it means to change the way you think. It means to turn your thinking around. Metanoio is the Greek word for it. And it means to reverse your thinking. Some of us have so many negative thoughts in our mind. We have simply got to change our thinking for God to touch us. But as soon as he says, repent therefore from your sins and, and your sins will be blotted out, what we find that when we turn around in our thinking from chasing after things that are dark or things that are wrong, things that are sinful or things that are our failures or our shortcomings, as soon as we turn away from that, we say, you know what? I'm going to start believing God. Right then, the Holy Spirit is able to apply the blood of Jesus to our lives and our sins are blotted out, they're gone, disappeared, as though we'd never done that sin. In fact, Jesus died for us as though he were us, so that when he rose from the dead, we rise from the dead as though we were like him. And the Bible says we are like him in this world. The fact is that Jesus has made this complete transaction, this complete exchange. We'd call it the great exchange where our old life has been killed, crucified on the cross with him, our sins and everything negative, so that a new life is born again. And when we change our thinking to that kind of thinking, we will find that the power of God easily falls upon us, just like it fell on Jesus at the River Jordan. So then he says, when you have repented from your sins and they've been blotted out, times of refreshing are going to come to you from the presence of the Lord. One of the great reasons we have this conference called Presence is because it's about the presence of the Lord. But I also think that it has a lot of spin-offs in it in so much as we, we end up having a presence in the community and we have a presence in people's lives and God's presence is able to find its way into all of our lives just simply through having that appointment with God for those three days and four nights in April, 10th to the 13th, I'm so looking forward to us all being there together, united, reaching out to God in prayer, worship, praise, and in the presence of the Lord. And I know that times of refreshing, times of reviving will come to every one of us as we turn away our thinking from, oh, I can't do it, I can't make it, but we just make sure that we get there. We're going to find ourselves being refreshed. Now, Listen to me, this word refreshed is a really, really great word. It means to recover from the effects of heat as though we've been sunstruck and we've fainted and we've lost energy. And when we come into the presence of God, all that tiredness, ugh, you know when we're weary and you're worn out and you feel like, I don't know, I don't know if I can make it and you're discouraged. Your spirit's flagging. You might have some attitudes with some people. You might find that they're 
They're really, you know, bugging you and all that kind of thing. So when you come into the presence of God, the heart, the heart of God inside of us, our spirit is revived from the effects of heat. Now, this, this scripture relates to a magnificent story in the Old Testament, which is quite a long story. So I won't read all the scripture story from it. I'll tell you as we go, but this is a magnificent story about the prophet Elisha and a great woman in a town called Shunem. So in 2 Kings 4, verse 8 to 11, it says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, great woman in other scriptures, very wealthy woman, like the key personage in the town, like a mayor, like a, the, the wealthy, influential, notable person. And she reached out to the prophet as he came through town. Says so she persuaded him to eat some food with her. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. She said to her husband, look now, I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned in to the upper room and he lay down there. It's kind of cool that you've got this, this phrase, the upper room. She created an upper room, a place where unity happened in the church, a place where they People waited for the promise of God that Jesus had said to them. A place where the power of God fell and they got baptized, not only with the Holy Spirit, but with fire. Fire on their heads, flames of fire. And Peter got up and he preached out of that presence and 3,000 people came to Christ. So this, this has a real connection to the day of Pentecost without any shadow of a doubt. It's an upper room that this woman, great woman, builds especially for this prophet. Now, here's the thing. All of us, every week, have an experience with God that passes us by in church. And we can take it away, but you know, as time passes, we really have got to be able to regenerate and recapture, revive that, that touch in our lives so that we don't just have God passing us by each week. And we have a meal with him in church and we have that time. But we need moments where we, where we stop and where God is not just passing by, but he's there all day long. And this woman wanted to make room for God. She wanted to make room in her schedule, in her time, in her resources, so that God would have a permanent place in her life. She loved having the presence of God in her house. She didn't want him just to pass by, have a meal, and move on. She wanted God, in this sense, the prophet, to have a place where he could stay. So what she did is she built this room. Asked her husband, said, let's, let's build this room. In the room, you've got a chair, and you've got a bed, and a table, and a lampstand. And so she creates this space of communion with God, a place where God can come. That's what we do every year at Presence. We create a space in our calendar, a space in Sydney, a space in the Darling Harbour Convention Centre for all of us and the Kingdom of God 
and as many churches and as many people who want to come. But in that room, the space that she created says she let, put a bed there, a bed. So there's got to be a time where we dream, where we all set aside a time in our lives, a time, a room, a space in our world for us to dream the dreams because that's the language of the Holy Spirit. When God begins to speak to us, He speaks in pictures. He speaks in dreams and visions. And so when that vision comes into our mind, we, meet, we need to not just have it and then go. We need to lie down on it, dream it, see it, feed that dream all of our days. The second thing she put in that room was, was a table where we can sit down and eat the Word of God, study it, looking into all the things that the Scripture has got for us. And when we are sitting at that table, feeding on the Word of God, we're going to find ourselves strengthened on the inside and closer to God. It kind of seems sparse to me, this room. Like, it doesn't say she put a widescreen TV in there or anything like that. This is a room that hadn't got distractions in it. There's only four things mentioned in the room. I'm sure he brought his clothes in and, all, you know, had a place to put things. But these are four things. And an encounter with God can't be cluttered. You got to declutter. You need simplicity of life and lack of distractions. And we need to eliminate a lot of the stuff that goes on in our world. And that's why being in presence is so important because it, it's like setting aside three days just to be in that presence. And so then the third thing is that chair. And you know, uh, sometimes even, even I, I find myself drifting away from that relationship with the Lord because I got so many things to do. I got, I got, I'm busy. I got this meeting to be in. I got to see this person. Got to fix up that. Got to try and solve that. Got need to be here, getting on a plane, organizing things. Just to stop and to renew that relationship. Not so much as in prayer. Not so much as in, God, I ask you to do this and I pray to do But actually, simply to dial the phone and breathe and say, Lord, I'm happy just to be here. To do nothing else but to soak in this presence and to be refreshed on the inside of me. And when we do that, we're going to find ourselves in the, in the most premium relationship you can get anywhere in the world. You can, th there's nothing even close to that relationship. Peter, James, and John, all the disciples gave their lives for Jesus. They all died as martyrs. He was worth, they got so close to him, it was worth anything. When you go through the Song of Solomon and you read how that the Shulamite maiden finds herself drifting away from the Lord, but then he, he draws near to her, knocks on the door, and she, in, in Song of Solomon 5, she, she says, oh, I've gone to bed. Why would I want to get up? And, and then he puts his hand. She sees his hand. Oh, she's moved. And when the hand of God, the power of God, touches our lives, we do get moved. We see him doing things in our world, but it's not his face. And then she gets up and she goes to the door and she opens, but he had withdrawn himself. 
because now she needed to seek him. And that's why being in presence and being in, in church and being in a prayer life is, is all about that we, we set our hearts to seek him. And we're, there's no more refreshing, reviving, rejuvenating experience than reconnecting with Jesus. All your anxieties, all your confusions, all our disorientations, all our dissatisfactions disappear and we're able to connect and feel the warm glow of, of that relationship again. Getting back to that simple relationship, that chair in the room is so important. And then as the candlestick, obviously you need light in the room. But you know, that's, that's talking about not just studying the word, but revelation in the word, illumination, coming out of the scripture. You know, the, the amazing thing is, I don't know about you, when I read the Bible, sometimes scriptures jump out. Why is that? I mean, why, why, do, why do some scriptures just, just lie on the page, but then bam, something comes out. It's because you're reading Jesus when you read the Bible and it's alive. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He is the word. It says in John 1, the word was made flesh, dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. In the book of Revelation 19, it says the word was on the horse riding out of the heavens into the earth. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That word is Jesus himself. When you're reading it, you're reading Jesus. And then occasionally, the thing that he wants to impute to you and enlighten you with is something out of the scripture that makes, it comes alive. You go, wow, that feeds me. And we, sh we should find that, not just that we're studying the Bible and things that we feel we need to know, but actually there'll be things on our heart that as we read it, it comes alive to us and feeds us deep down on the inside. So here is this, here is this great woman. She's built this room for God. She's made room for God in her world so that he can be a permanent guest in her life, not just some, someone or something that passes by, an experience that comes and goes. So once she's made that room, the prophet comes. You make room for God, he will come. There's no doubt about it. You make room for God in your calendar. You make room for God in your finances. You make room for God in your church, in your home. God will come. More than anybody else in the world, when you build it, he will come. So, he comes and he stays. And he says, you know, you've done so much for me, lady. What can I do for you? She says, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Elisha's servant says, oh, you know, she's got no children. He says, the prophet says, well, lady, this time next year, 12 months time, you will have a baby. She goes, oh, don't you go get my hopes up about uh, something if it's not true. He says, no, it's going to happen. You will have a child 12 months time. Because her deepest dream in all of her life was to have a child. She hadn't grown bitter against God. She wanted more of God. She wasn't blaming God. She wasn't rejecting God because he had left her barren. And it must have been heartbreaking for her. It's the, it's the, it was the greatest shame in their community to not be able to have children. And yet somehow this great woman had risen above that sense of shame that was in the community and lived a great life, welcoming God into her world, being hospitable beyond, way beyond the extra mile. And now she's being offered 
this promise of a child. So she reaches out and says, okay, I'm going to believe that. Exactly as the prophet said, within 12 months, she's holding her own little baby. Well, the child grows. And this is the great thing, you know. Areas that we have been barren in, oh, areas we felt embarrassed about because we couldn't produce in that area, in our businesses, in our family life, in our finances, in our career path, in our ministry, in our connect groups, whatever. Once we make room for God, fruitfulness begins to appear without any shadow of a doubt. We're going to find ourselves achieving things inadvertently, even unwittingly. They just start to happen because we've got our eyes off trying to achieve our goals and got our eyes on actually drawn near to him. That, filling up that gap, is really going to change our lives. So, the boy grows up, around about 12 years old. His father says, let's go out in the field and reap the harvest. Off they go. First day, he's worked in the field. First day, he's done anything to help with the harvest. First day, he's... he's done something for the father's house. He goes out. He doesn't have any protection for his head. And that's where he gets hit. The sun comes up, beating down on this kid. And he's sunstruck. He faints in a swoon. Now, here's the thing. Many of us have gone out into the field and taken a beating. The heat's gotten turned up. We found ourselves under pressure we never believed we could get through. And it kills us. We find ourselves falling over, crumbling. Remember that word I said to you right at the beginning in Acts 3.19? It says, refreshing means recovery from the effects of heat. That's exactly what the presence of the Lord is all about. That when we come back to God, the things that have pressured us and collapsed us, made us fold up on the inside, we can recover. All of us can recover. You need to know that whatever you're going through, you're going to make it to the other side. All that's needed is for you to make a little room for the Lord to have access into your world and you can come back from the heat. But when that heat came on, on that boy, it came on his head. And that's mostly where people find themselves with the greatest battles in their mind. Also, when we spoke at the beginning, we talked about it. repent, which means change your thinking, turn your thoughts around. If we don't do that, we're going to find ourselves, if we've got a melancholic disposition, we, we kind of find ourselves... Moving to the negative, complaining, critical attitude, thoughts like that. As soon as that heat comes on us, we'll be demolished. The ability to turn your mind around is in your hands. Some people don't think that they can control their thoughts, but you can. You can actually put the helmet of hope on. The armor of God doesn't fall on us. We've got to put it on. And that helmet, the, the helmet of hope is... Thinking positively about your future. That's pretty much what it is. That's what hope is. Thinking positively about your future. Looking forward to what's coming up. When you have a bad circumstance on your life, 
it's easy to look forward to absolute disaster. To think, oh, how's this going to ever work out? We're never going to be able to buy a house. We are never going to be able to get through this marriage crisis. Our kids are never going to work. And you start to see the worst. You've got to change that and turn it around. And as we turn it around, we'll survive the heat. But this boy hadn't learned that, that art yet. He was unprotected in his mind. And with that sunstroke, he fainted. They rushed him to his mother. He's lying on her lap, and she nurses him, trying to bring him back to life. But he dies. So she takes him, not to the doctor. She doesn't take him down to the river to try and cool him down. She doesn't take him into the kitchen to feed him some food. She doesn't take him into the living room to sit him on the couch and try and revive him in there. Where does she take him? To the room she made for God. If she hadn't had that room, number one, she wouldn't have had the child, but she wouldn't have had the place where a miracle was about to happen. A reviving, a resurrection was about to happen. So she takes him to the, to the room that she's made. Well, she made room for God, room for this prophet, and lays him on the prophet's bed. You know, sometimes nursing a person who has, has been heated, overheated, under pressure, been out there and, and just suffered too much, the mother is like a picture of the church. And, and the church can do a whole lot, but sometimes you need added to the church you need something extra. You need more time spent in the presence of the Lord for that real revival, that resurrection to actually kick in. So she nursed him, but that didn't bring him back. He needed to get into a, a soaking position where he was in that room of the presence of God day and night. Another good reason for presence. Hey, but listen. The husband said to the wife, he said, where are you going? What, what are you going? I'm going to the man of God. Why? It's, it's not a new moon or a Sabbath, nothing special going on. She says, everything's all right. She didn't say, oh, we've got a crisis on our head. Our son is dead. We're going, whatever. She said, everything's okay. Unbelievable. This woman had waited all her life for that amazing gift, that amazing miracle. Then it had come into her world. Now it had gone again. It had died. This miracle child, the only child she had, oh, she would have been heartbroken. And yet her spirit was a spirit of faith because faith can live above circumstances. When the miracle hasn't happened, the faith that we have elevates us above our pressured circumstances so that we still live in victory. She says, everything's going to be all right. So she arrives at the man of God. She said, I thought you promised me that I would have a child. And so she reminds him, you, you said, Who's gonna, I was going to have a child. He says, okay, what's going on? He figures it out. Sends his servant on and then he follows. But when he gets there, the boy still has not revived. Still has not revived. Even though the servant took the rod and tried, didn't work. You know, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes the servants of God, they do the best they can with all the tools they've got. But ultimately, it seems like there is, there is a moment where 
nothing less than a direct encounter with God himself is going to actually do the business of reviving us. Oh, you know, I just, even as I'm speaking, I can feel like the, the power of God. So wanting to connect with people. Not just to revive them, but to love them. To take off their heavy burdens. To remove their, the weariness out of their soul, the discouragement out of their mind. God aches for that. If we will give him a chance, if we will make some time for him. I know that revival is about to hit this nation. Revival is about to hit our world. And those people who've made room for God, they're the ones that are going to find themselves with that resurrection power coming on the inside of them. There were plenty of other houses in the town of Shunem, but none of them urged the prophet, who's an image of God to us, to come in and eat some food and then to build room for him, to build a house for him. There were plenty of other people in the town, but none of them had that expansive attitude and graciousness to reach out and the hunger for God. I want God permanently, not just passing by. So the prophet arrives and has a picture of God to us. He comes into that boy's room, shuts everybody else out. And you know, to be shut in alone with God, there can hardly be anything better. There's got to be moments in our life where that happens. For this boy, this was one moment in his entire life. In this case, his death where he was going to experience an encounter like he'd never experienced before. And the prophet put his hand on his hand, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his feet on his feet. And an impartation went into that boy's lifeless body, cold, chilled, dead body, lying there still as a stone. Suddenly it came alive. Resurrection life started to come on the inside of that boy. That's what revival is. Revival is when we have fire coming back, when all the coals seem absolutely cold and burn out, and fire comes in the middle of them. Revival is resurrecting something or someone that's dead. Revival is getting back something that was taken away from us. Revival is finding something that got lost. Revival is getting back up when you've been knocked down. Revival is a dead tree sprouting again. Revival is a lukewarm church recovering its fire and its zeal for God. Revival is getting back on track after you've been wandering aimlessly in a wilderness. Revival is feeling the touch of God nourishing us after we've been dry and barren. So I'm urging you to make time for God in church, in serving the Lord, in your daily routine. And at this time of year at presence, so we're going to find ourselves revived and refreshed and recovered as if from the effects of heat. All of us feel a little burnout every now and then, feel the pressure. So I'm believing God that you are going to find yourself completely refreshed, standing up, empowered for the year ahead of us as you come to presence this year. It's going to be awesome. Love you guys. God bless you. Kom op, laten God een applaus geven. Come on, let's give God a hand. Dank u, Jezus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>